The following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Welcome this morning. Glad to see you here. Uh, this is another one of those moment, uh, mornings when uh, the Grace Point group is having a pre-launch service. So this is going to kind of be the amount of folks that we have in here without them. And I means you gotta you got to do your, your part. you got to join in the singing and the worship and the connecting with people around you. And we're excited for them and excited for what God has for us in the days to come. Many of you know that I've uh, been kind of preaching through Acts. And this morning we're going to look at Acts. But then we're going to stop and move our attention to the cross and the empty tomb. That, that's just four weeks from today as Easter comes. And, and so uh, in Baptist life, we don't have a Fat Tuesday and a Nash Wednesday. Uh, but we do have a time when we want to stop and actually narrow our focus and, and consider what it is that God accomplished through sending of His Son and through His death and burial and resurrection. And so this morning, in order to accomplish that, we're, we're going to change things up a little bit and we're going to we're going to talk about prayer and we're going to sing our prayers to the Lord. Let's be honest just for a moment. It it behooves us. It is a it's a good exercise for us to stop every now and then and evaluate our prayer lives. And I and I don't know uh, where your prayer life is, but I've never met a single person on the planet who didn't say my prayer life could be and should be better than it is. And, and whether you're praying more than you've ever been or, or whether you've really neglected it in the days to come, as a whole, as a generation, we're a people who neglect prayer. People always have, and people have always had reasons. They, they've got work, and they've got their to-do list, and there's the kids, and there's things that you've got to get done. But it seems like as a generation, as a culture, we have more distractions than ever before, don't we? we we've got our television, and we've got... Uh, all of our electronic devices, and just the one that you carry in your pocket all the time, just that, just that stinking phone sometimes would just keep you away from that. So, so we want to stop and, and reconsider prayer and what it looks like and, and what it is that God wants from us. And this morning I've chosen a passage out of Acts chapter 4 where the disciples begin to pray differently than they used to. Do you remember how, what their prayer life looked like before the cross, Jesus took them to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they fell asleep. And he said, he said, couldn't you have just prayed with me for an hour? And he came back, and they had fallen asleep again. But what you're going to discover this morning as we look at Acts chapter 4 is something changed in them. Well, it was the resurrection. They, they began to understand everything in a different way. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to weave our worship with the teaching of the Word. And I'm I'm going to teach a part, and then we're going to sing our prayers to the Lord. You realize that, don't you, that when we sing, we don't sing to each other, we sing to the Lord. And, And any communication to the Lord is prayer. And so this morning, I want you, we want you to think about The words that you are praying, the words that you are singing to the Lord together. And the first prayer that we want to pray, the first prayer that we want to sing is we want to 
tell the Lord, you're welcome in this place. Stand with us. Let's pray. Let's sing together. You may be seated. Absolutely. We can rejoice in the Lord. We can praise the Lord. So what we're going to do is weave this a little bit. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Um, let me just tell you what's going on here. It's a, it's a passage we've really already studied. Peter and John are going to the temple one day, and uh, there's a lame man there. The, the scripture tells us two things about him. One is that he had been lame from his birth. He had never, ever walked. And the other is he was over 40 years old. So all of his life, 40 years, he was there. Well, you know the story. Uh, Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And, a, and just a huge gathering comes together. And so, G, uh, so Peter and John, they, they preach the gospel, and 5,000 people are, are saved, which is a pretty big day, except at the end of that, uh, right after the altar call, they get arrested. And they're thrown into jail for the night. The next day, there's a investigation by the Sanhedrin. Who, whose name did you? Healy man? Well, you can't do that. They, they threaten Peter and John, and they let them go. And, and this is where the story continues. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And when they were released, they went to their friends, and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they, that, that is the congregation, these are, these are the believers now, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. That's prayer. When we pray, and whether you lift your voice to the Lord, and you're all by yourself in your bedroom, you're all by yourself driving the car, or you lift your voice together uh, with, with hundreds of others, this is prayer. And this morning, I want you to see the characteristics to this prayer. I want you to see what I'm going to call the, the characteristics to resurrection praying. The, these are the guys who fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane not, not many days ago. But now they're, they're different, get, different guys, different people. Here's their prayer. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven, who made the earth, who made the sea and everything in them, you spoke through the mouth of our father David, your servant, by your Holy Spirit. So here's the first, here's the first characteristic of resurrection praying that, that I want you to get and understand. Resurrection praying recites to the Lord his character, his power, his work, and his promise. It's an interesting thing here. As, as this group says to the Lord, you're sovereign, you're almighty, you're the creator, you're the creator of everything that's on dry land, you're the creator of everything that's in the sea, they're, they're, they're not telling God any new information, are they? God already knows he's sovereign. He already knows he's the almighty God of the universe. He, he already knows he's the creator, so... They're reciting back to him what he already knows. So when we pray, we are never telling God new information. 
In fact, Jesus would say, your heavenly Father knows of your needs before you ask of them. So some of us have said, well, if God the Father already knows my needs, then what is praying for? Praying is to knit our hearts together. That's what it's for. Here, let me see if I can explain it to you this way. As as I came to be a father and now a grandfather, there's a certain thing that happens in my soul when one of my children or now my grandchildren crawl up into my lap and start to recite things about me. You know, like, Papa, your belly's fat. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a thing that happens to a father and a grandfather's soul. It happens to a mother and a grandmother. It's the, it's the cuddling. It's the connection. It's the intimacy. The Bible word for that is fellowship. And God loves that with you. He loves it from you. He wants to connect with you. And so when you're reciting these things to God, it's not for God's information. It's to connect the relationship. It sometimes is for us. Isn't it good for us to be reminded that God is creator? Isn't it good to be reminded that every fascinating thing you've ever seen on National Geographic, God designed that. Isn't it good to know that he's the sovereign God of the universe? He does nothing ever takes him by surprise that he's the almighty, there's nothing beyond his power. Resurrection prayer starts with telling God, you're an incredible God. You're a creator. You're a savior. You're a sustainer. And what that does is it starts to change us. It makes us realize something, makes us realize we should come to God more often in prayer. And, and so as we begin to pray this morning, we're, gonna, we're praying these songs this morning. Uh, for, for these middle songs, I, I just want you to remain seated, maybe just so you can focus on the words as they come up. You, sometimes you'll sing a song and you don't even think about the words. I want, I want you to see the words, read the words, pray the words. And in the middle of this next song, you're going to see the word, my confidence is in you. You never fail. God doesn't fail us. He's, he's almighty. He's, he's not capable of failing us. His, his promise is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a second part of this prayer that I want you to see. They not only start with reciting to God his, his greatness, his, his character, his wonders, but, but then they come to a, a part where they quote the Old Testament. And I uh, in some ways, I think I should have included this as a separate point. Resurrection praying includes uh, quoting God's word back to him. God, here's your promise. And look what God said in the Old Testament, a prophecy that became true in, in their lifetime. Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And and these disciples acknowledge that this came true in their lifetime because they say in verse 27, for truly in this city they were gathered together against 
your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the, and the people of Israel. But look at verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. There's a really good chance that later today, certainly before the week's over, you're going to get surprised by something. Maybe it'll be a really good surprise and you'll be full of joy. Maybe it'll be a bad surprise and it'll bring tears. But in that moment, what I want you to know is God wasn't surprised like you were. He didn't get surprised in that moment. He is at work in the world and he is in charge of it all. Here's what I want you to understand about resurrection praying. Resurrection praying is based on the certainty of the sovereign will of God. He's never made any mistakes with you. He's not going to make any mistakes with you. It might be a tough patch. You might walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death. But God is going to do it by his preordained plan. From the human point of view, Jesus was a pawn, right? Herod is named in this passage, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, the Romans, the Jews. But in reality, we know that was always the plan of, the, of God. The Heavenly Father sent his one and only Son into the world that he would go to the cross. Jesus was fulfilling the preordained plan of the Heavenly Father. So I want you to understand that. Part of the, the confidence that comes with resurrection praying is that God's in charge of it all. He doesn't make mistakes. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows exactly what he's doing in your life. And when you come to understand that, then you can pray. You can sing, blessed be the name. Well, we've started this prayer that was prayed in Acts chapter 4. It, it starts with telling God who he is and how remarkable he is and reciting to him his works and his character and his miracles. It speaks to his sovereign will, the fact that he's never surprised. And only now do the prayers of this prayer come to their request. Let's be honest, there's a lot of times when we rush into the presence of God and we, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want, I want. And resurrection praying is different from that. It's, it's not just uh, being a, a, a spiritual spoiled brat. It's, it's seeing the world through eternal eyes. And so verse 29 of Acts chapter 4, they finally get to their request and here's their request. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. I have to confess to you that might have not been my first request. My request might have been, Lord, I, thanks for getting us out of jail. I sure don't want to go back there again. Can you, can you help with that? My, my request might have been, that was really close. I, 
They, they, they could have killed us. They could have beaten us. Lord, help us not to get beaten. My request might have even been, those guys, Lord, get them. But that's not their request. You see, the requests of resurrection praying are not earthy, but therefore divine things of eternal significance. Now, I know, listen, listen to what I have to say. I know that the Lord said we should pray this way, give us this day our daily bread. There, there's nothing wrong with praying for the things that you need. But what I'm afraid is that that's the, that's the entirety of our prayers. We're, we're praying for what we need and what we think we need and more likely what we want. And we never stop to consider that God is at work in a, with, a, with, a, with a divine plan. We never stop to see things through eternal eyes. And so we're not even praying for those things. Their, their prayer request was, Lord, help us to speak your name boldly. Give us confidence. Give us faith. Help us not to cower. Help us not to be afraid. Let us speak your name boldly. How many of your prayer requests are eternal in nature? How, how many of your prayer requests come late in the prayer? For so many of us, I, I think I, I know I can say, I, I rush to the Lord with what I want, what I need. I lead with that. I leave him having never recited how good he is, that his plan is perfect, that he never gets surprised. I, I never bless his name. And what happens then is that my heart gets attuned to earthly things because my prayer life reflects my heart, right? So I, the scripture says where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. So I, I find myself praying for a new truck all the time. I'm not, I'm not praying for my one to be saved. I'm praying for earthy things and that doesn't match resurrection praying so you're going to hear a phrase in this next prayer this next song it's the cry of my heart is to bring you praise you see when you when you start to pray this way then god will change your passions he'll change your heart let's pray this together So here's what we've learned so far. Resurrection praying doesn't begin with me. It begins with God. I, I focus on him, not myself. I don't, I don't run and say, I need, I need, I need, I want, I want. It focuses on who he is. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. <clears throat> when it moves, it moves to his word. It moves to his promises. And it moves to his divine predestined will sovereign will of God. Whatever surprised you in your life this last week, it did not surprise God. Finally, it comes to request. And the first request of, of those of us who are going to pray resurrection prayers is an eternal, eternally minded request. Lord, that we would proclaim your name more boldly. But there's a second part of it here. 
the requests of resurrection praying also acknowledge things that only God can do. Only He can answer. I want to read verses 29 and 30 together here. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you... See, the the first half of the request is, let, let me be faithful. Let me be obedient. Give me the courage, the boldness to speak your word while you stretch out your hand to do healings and signs and the wonders that are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So this is, this is what makes resurrection praying different than, uh, Lord, be with the food, be with the missionaries. This is, this is give us different than just give us traveling mercies. This is a prayer that you pray that you acknowledge only God can do that. Have you prayed prayers like that? Do you have, have you had enough faith to pray prayers like that? Here's one of the things that I think will help you in that respect. The, the older I get, the more I realize the less I'm in charge. The older I get, the more I realize the less I'm in control. There are things in this world I'm not in charge of. I'm not in charge of the drunk who runs the red light, T-bones your car. I'm not in I'm not in charge of whether or not I, I get cancer. I'm, I'm not in charge of world peace. I, I'm not in charge of those things. In fact, the older I get, the more I realize I'm hardly in charge of anything at all. So I need God to do some things that only God can do. I think God loves those kinds of prayers, don't you? I think about a prayer that came up to heaven's throne on a certain day. Imagine God answering prayers, just for a moment, okay? Let's do it. We'll do it in a very earthly way. He's answering prayers, so he's like, yes, I'll be with that broccoli. Yes, I'll give you traveling mercies. Yes, I'm always with the missionaries. He's, he's just answering everyday routine prayers. When he gets a prayer from three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the prayer's got to go something like this. Lord, we're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace. We'll either see you very soon, or if you want to, you can save us. That's a different kind of prayer. That's the kind of prayer that I think at the throne of God, he kind of sets aside all the mundane, everyday, rote, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You don't even think about those words. You just memorized them. But this is a different prayer. This is a prayer that only God can answer. You know what the Bible says about that particular answered prayer? That God not only answered it, he went down and joined them. Nebuchadnezzar looks in the fiery furnace and he goes, hey, how many guys did we throw in there? Three, king. That's what I thought. I see four. And one of them looks like the son of God. That's a pretty bodacious prayer when God says, not only am I going to answer it, I'm going to come in person. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's the kind of thing he wants to do. That's, that's a different kind of praying, isn't it? There's some things that I pray that I know that only God can do. Let me tell you one of them. I, I'm praying that God would send revival back to America. We're a wicked people. We've chosen to go away from God. 
There's no sermon that can bring America back. There's no song that can bring America back. Only God can do that work. Are you, are you praying some of the things that only God can do? And you say, well, okay, if we're going to pray for signs and wonders, those are the exact words out of Acts chapter 4, then how do we know? How do we know God wants to do that? And the answer is because he's a good, good father. Jesus said, if your earthly father wants to give you good gifts, how much more your heavenly father? You know his nature. You know he loves you. Your prayers are built around who he is. And we pray to him, good, good father. For the most part, uh, the world just thinks that praying is uh, a desperate, hopeless cause. Um, they, they pray that you understand that people that don't know the Lord pray because they're desperate in some hour um, but the reason that we know different is because God answers our prayers that's how we know we're actually connected with God himself because we pray things that should never happen we 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 pray things in a, in a desperate hour, and God answers our prayers. This is how it happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. Can you imagine the moment? Go like something like this. And in Jesus' name we pray, earthquake. <laughs> Be pretty great. But really, the answer to prayer is bigger than that. That's just the, the signal. That's just the symbol that the prayers were answered. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And God answered their request. Do you remember what their request was? Their request was that we speak the name of Christ with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Oh, if, the, if it was just a human endeavor, they would have chickened out. If it was just a human endeavor, after a, after a couple of beatings and a couple of nights in the jail, Peter would have said, I think I'm going back fishing. But it wasn't. It was a holy, divine, Holy Spirit endeavor. And so that's what God did. Resurrection praying pleases God so that he responds in unique and wondrous ways. Here's the, here's the most incredible thing. You, you've got prayers that I don't even know about. I've got prayers that you don't know about. In fact, frequently what I've discovered with believers is the prayer that's the biggest burden and closest to your heart is the one you don't share because it's, you can't. It's, it's too personal. It's too confidential. There's rarely a person in your life that you could share that with. And so it's your prayer. And so when God answers your prayer, you're the one who knows it. He, pray, he answers our prayers in unique ways. He created you, uniquely you. You have the only soul that's like your soul. And so he answers your prayers in unique, personal, individualized, and wonderful ways. And yet the characteristics of that are always the same. 
notice he, he always demonstrates his presence and he, he always fills us with his Holy Spirit. Imagine if this morning how good this would be if because of this hour we spend in prayer, every single one of us walk out controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Wow, what an answer to prayer that would be for me. That God's people, God's church, walk out as one. How can you know that your prayers will be answered? Well, the scripture tells us that in Psalm 37, verse 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It actually sounds like a pretty big promise. God will give me the desires of my heart? The answer is, yes, he will. But there's a condition to it. Did you hear it? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He's not going to give you your earthly or, or, or wicked or sinful desires. That wouldn't be a loving heavenly father. That wouldn't be a good, good father. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. If you desire what God desires, then you're going to get what you desire. That's resurrection praying. You see, it gets, it gets all turned upside down for us, doesn't it? We just run to God. I need, I need. I want, I want. We ask for earthly stuff. And God's trying to do something in your life so much bigger, so much greater than you could ever imagine. If you just had the faith, if you just took the time to pray, if you came to him with eternal eyes, if you desired what God desired, and he would do that in your life. He would do it in your heart. He would change you. That's, that's really what we're talking about is a changed heart. That's why you need to pray. How else does your heart change? Is your heart going to change because you watch more TV? It'll change, but for the worse. Is your heart going to change because you get more of what you want? Well, that just usually makes us a little more entitled. How will you change to be the person that God wants you to be and you want to be? A New Year's resolution? No, you've tried that a hundred times. No, it changes because you enter into prayer. And so this morning, one last song, as one last prayer that comes from our heart as we ask God to do this work in us. I purposely left my mic on so you could hear me sing with the band and the guys muted me. (laughs) Here's a benediction for this morning. It comes from James chapter 5. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Ah, It's so easy to just go, wow, Elijah, he was special. Elijah was a man from God. Elijah called fire down from heaven. Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain, and then it did. But the writer of James, James, wants us to know No, he's just a regular guy. Righteous, fervent, 
passionate. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.